trust is a funny thing. It's so hard to earn and so very, very easy to lose. In your own life, you know people who have lost your trust. Others who may have gained a measure of it when you hadn't held them in high esteem before. And even possibly you know of people whose trust you've lost. It's a part of life and one that we all must deal with. As laity, though, the consequences of trust placed in us or our trust placed in others doesn't usually have massive spiritual or social ramifications. But for those in positions of political or ecclesiastical power, the loss of trust has massive consequences. Right now in the secular world, we see that the establishment media has a lower trust and approval rating than Congress, which is saying something, and that virtually no one trusts politicians of any stripe. It is a bad sign when people no longer trust their government or the media, but, that's, but it's even worse when people don't trust their bishops. We should be able to trust the bishops of the church. We really, really should be able to. But unfortunately, across the board, they've done nothing to merit our trust. Save for the precious few who have spoken the truth about the nature of the abuse crisis. Unfortunately, there are very few who did speak the truth. After the McCarrick scandal broke, after Vigano, and after the Pennsylvania grand jury report, most bishops gave public relations answers to basic questions about the state of sexual abuse in the church. The public lost whatever remaining trust we had in the bishops of the church, generally speaking. Again, with some exceptions. In the past few days, ComplicitClergy.com released a survey of the lay faithful asking them to rate their level of trust in their bishop. You can find a link to it on the sources blog, ReturnToTradition.org. As you might expect, some bishops did much better than others, and the expected clowns got the lowest marks in the church. Though, to be fair, some of the bishops you'd expect to be at the bottom of the list strangely weren't. I'm thinking of the Tobins and Farrells and Gregories of the U.S. Church, though they did not rank very well in general. Now, and I rarely use these words unironically, but as someone trained in the survey methods of the social sciences, I can say that this survey isn't terribly scientific. The sample size for each bishop is, quite frankly, so tiny as to be not terribly reliable. That having been said, the numbers are interesting, because some of the most and least trustworthy figures left me scratching my head in wonder. Let's have a look at the numbers and who the bishops are that are the most and least trustworthy. But before we get started, I wanted to continue to make the call for submissions to the blog, returntotradition.org. I can't offer payment for submissions at this time, but the blog does get hundreds of hits each day, so feel free to submit your art, poetry, opinion pieces, or reflections via email. A link is in the description. Also, by popular request, I have a P.O. box, so you can send real mail. Send your hate mail, bricks, prayer cards, or whatever to the address in the description of this video. Finally, if you want to support the work of this channel, you can do so for as little as a dollar each month on Patreon and Subscribestar. As always, a special thank you to the patrons of this channel. Now, on to the news. At the very bottom of the list of trustworthiness, or with the worst trust rating of the bunch, is Cardinal Blaise Supich, friend of this channel. We shouldn't be surprised. After all, Supich might be the most dishonest and goofy cardinal in the church today. He doesn't fool anyone, and isn't very good at deceiving people. Recall his statements about McCarrick, how Pope Francis isn't going to go down any rabbit holes looking into Vigano's accusations because he has more important things to worry about like social justice for migrants and climate change and plastics in the ocean and whatnot. A statement like that, coupled with his attempts to send Father Kalchik to St. Luke's so he can be branded as a possible sexual offender for the rest of his life while having being subjected to horrific uh, forms of reconditioning, 
because he had the temerity to burn a first deadly sin flag of the enemies of the church that had been used by a notorious sexual deviant priest in an utterly blasphemous manner in his parish, sent a clear message to the faithful in America, willing, who had eyes to see and ears to hear, that soupage is not on the side of the faithful in pretty much anything. He is one of McCarrick's creatures and should be held in suspicion in all things. Other notable low-ranking bishops on this survey include Bishop Malone, Bishop McElroy, and Cardinal Worrell, ranking low for trust. Ranking low for orthodoxy is, again, Supich, McElroy, Stowe, and Wester. There is something that leaves me deeply uncomfortable with the laity ranking and rating the most trust trusting and orthodox of their pastors, but like I keep saying, under normal circumstances, where our shepherds are just mediocre men seeking sanctity, none of this would even cross the minds of the faithful. But we don't live in even mediocre times. We live in a time of severe crisis, as we all stand on the ash heap of Christendom watching the flames flicker out of a once great civilization with some fiddle playing in the background while we weep. I mean, it could be worse, I guess. Supich could have received high marks from those who were polled, but then again, complicit clergy isn't the kind of website frequented by many of the types in the church who think nothing is all the wrong today. So let's have a look at the high trust and high orthodoxy bishops. For high trust, the top four were Bishops Newman, Eugus, I hope I said that right, to my surprise, Sample, and Conley. Now, before anyone asks why I'm surprised Sample was on this list, it's because he was an archbishop that I watched closely and with hope until the Pennsylvania Grand Jury Report broke, where he gave a PR response to the crisis. Look at all the things we've done to protect kids, that kind of thing, without naming the real problem, sexual deviance in collars, a very un-PC problem. But I still hold him in generally high regard. I'm just disappointed in him. Call it a lesson in why it's not a good idea to be a fan of any bishop in the church today. Respect the better ones, yes, but the nature of a diabolic disorientation of the church today means we must proceed with caution. Anyway, to continue, on the high orthodoxy ranking we have Newman, again, as well as Eugus uh, and Sample. But joining them is Olmsted. Now, here's where I quibble with the details. All these men are, are men of the council, and they've spoken publicly about the so-called hermeneutic of continuity, which is an attempt to reconcile the post-revolution church with the pre-revolution church. That'd be a little like Stalin trying to reconcile the governance of the USSR to, the, to that of the Russian Tsar. Good luck is all I can say. I guess it all depends on what you mean by orthodoxy. Since pre-Vatican II, anyone talking about ecumenism in the way it's talked about today wouldn't be considered orthodox in the slightest, nor would anyone who puts such a focus on politics as we see across the board in the church today. And no, for those who are new to my work, I'm not one who blames everything on the council. The seeds for our corruption were sowed long before the council, which was the coming out party of the modernists, their point of revolution, if you will. But there is a clear break with the past in terms of fundamental beliefs after the council, a consequence of the coming out party of the modernists, who were free to run roughshod over the faithful. I'm going to choose now a couple of bishops to check on in order to see what people think of them. And I would put these on the screen, but the way the survey is laid out doesn't really work too well for that. You wouldn't be able to read it either way. The ones I mentioned were highlighted by complicit clergy because of the relatively high or low rankings on the chart. So let's look at some others. How about Archbishop Wilton Gregory, formerly of Atlanta, now the soon-to-be Cardinal Archbishop of Washington, D.C. For trust, Gregory sc scored pretty low, netting a score of 1.1. I haven't gone over the numbers specifically yet, but to give you an idea, Blaise Supich scored a paltry 0.3 on trust, with a lower the number on a scale of about uh, 0 to 4, 
the uh, worse it is. But many other bishops scored fours, cl even closing it on fives, so Gregory isn't doing well there either. His orthodoxy is also pretty low at 1.9. I'm betting it's his handling of sexual morality that drove that score low, though it's only a guess. Next, we have Archbishop Alan Vigneron of Detroit. You may be familiar with him if you've seen any of the exposés done on him by Church Militant. He's quite the character. His trust rating is a paltry 1.4, which means he's more trustworthy than Supic. Small consolation there for him, I guess, and an orthodoxy rating in the mid-2 range. It might have something to do with his tolerating a sexual deviant mass set in his diocese, and this probably helps a little bit because he has an Institute of Christ the King Sovereign Priest uh, parish in his diocese, uh, but that dignity mass has been going on for decades now, or his ratings could be a result of Church Milton's reporting on him. We should consider both options, to be fair. Remember, negative reporting by large outlets do, can, can actually impact uh, approval ratings. Finally, Bishop Thomas Tobin, not to be confused with the other Tobin, gets a trust rating of 3, which puts him light years ahead of the pack of bishops, and an orthodoxy rating of 4.3, which means you can actually take it as a safe bet that what he teaches is probably Catholic. Though again, what that means in a post-conciliar environment of ambiguity and inaction is a, is a good question. Now, one problem I have with this is that, at least for me, my trust in a bishop is directly related to his orthodoxy. For example, if a bishop is known for preaching error and modernism, then I'm probably not going to trust him much either. The two go hand in hand, and I think you see that reflected in this poll. If you want to take a look at it for yourself, a link is, again, on the source's blog, which is itself linked to the description of this podcast. Typically, the two scores are not dissimilar. A bishop with a low trust has typically also a low orthodoxy rating, and the reverse is also true. In other words, my attitude of not trusting heterodox bishops is actually the norm, at least for those Catholics paying attention to the state of things. I suppose that's, again, a sign of hope, that there aren't a bunch of Catholics saying, you know, I totally trust Cardinal Smith, but he, but no, he teaches pernicious and perfidious error. Always be thankful for small miracles, I suppose. If you're watching or listening to this from outside the U.S., the complicit clergy list won't be of much use to you. It doesn't include bishops outside the United States. As I recall, complicit clergy began as a project for the laity to know exactly who the bishops in the U.S. were so that we know who the good bishops are and who the bad ones are that need to be exposed. This is not to be confused with the Red Hat Report, which hopes to have a profile made and ready for every cardinal in the church in time for the next conclave so that we don't get a potential destroyer elected again. Sadly, it does speak volumes about the state of the church that projects like the Red Hat Report and Complicit Clergy Survey are even necessary. But it is a sign of the times where the laity don't know who to trust, and the bishops and the cardinals are engaged in a fight among themselves. That's why we must continue to pray and do acts of penance for the liberation of the church. The church will be liberated, one way or another. God will free the church from the modernists. But in the end, it depends on if it is because of the prayers and sacrifices of the laity and the good members of the clergy, or if it is because time runs out and God decides to unleash the horrors of a cataclysmic chastisement on the world. It is up to us. We do have free will. So pray a rosary and do those acts of penance for the liberation and exaltation of the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Viva Cristo Rey.